Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female, you may ask? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She constantly strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony, but knows that it requires being true to your priorities and what makes you happy. She is never complacent about striving for better and always nurtures the relationships with the people in her life. So let's get started. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, Episode 36. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Elsie Johnson. Elsie is an award-winning blogger, entrepreneur, educator, an activist, and the creator. She is the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Colored Girl Confidential, and the executive producer of the podcast, Black, Married, and Hustling. The first podcast of its kind to go behind the scenes of a one-woman business as it is being created in real time. Elsie can be found reading, writing, or watching HGTV with her husband and dog, Huey. To date, she has trained more than 500 women on the subjects of blogging, branding, new media, and entrepreneurship. And at the end of 2013, Campbell's Soup Company named her one of the top five innovative leaders of her generation. Welcome to the show, Elsie. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I see you all the time on the Twitter spheres. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. That's just random today. Uh, we'll I, go with it. I couldn't wait to get you on the show. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Really excited to get a chance to talk to your audience today. So it's all about being an alpha female and embracing our ambition. So when I first sent you over the definition or you heard it on the show, what did you think of it and how do you identify with being an alpha female? Well, it was interesting because I, I've never thought of myself as an alpha female and my initial inclination, I feel like I... I'm not always very fond of um, what society kind of defines as an alpha male. Mm. Um, and so I was like, alpha female, what is this about? <laughs> um, and so it's definitely like a little bit of wariness. Um, but what I really loved about your definition and also about what you challenged me to do is to define what that means for myself. Um, and so for me, after sitting down and thinking about it, I really came to the realization that being an alpha female means being unapologetic. Mm. Um, and being unapologetic is something that I really struggled with for a long time because like so many other women, I used to think that being unapologetic and asking for what you want and, you know, almost seeming like you don't care about what other people think, but you're just like, look, this is what I want. This is what I need. Um, was just really selfish or like it was being a bitch. So I was always like very concerned about being perceived that way. But eventually I kind of realized that being unapologetic is really the process of getting super, super clear on what's important to you, um, who you are as a person, what your non-negotiables are, and then living fully in that truth in your actions, in the way that you interact with other people, in the demands and requests that you make from other people and the standards that you set for your relationship. So that's kind of now where I am when I think of uh, what it means to be an alpha female. I love that. I'm going to put you on the spot, but can you share some of the things that like you're super clear on in terms of values or priorities? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, when I first started my blog, Color Girl Confidential, it's really interesting because I was kind of writing about my own experience. And because I'm a woman of color, I just thought like, oh, you know, I'm writing from the perspective of a woman of color. And I think my story will resonate most with women of color. And the reason I said that is because I think at the very beginning, I was very nervous about intentionally saying that my work is for women of color. Um, because it felt very like, oh, you're excluding people. And like, what about people who like want to be interested? And like, what about this? And what about that? Um, and it felt very, I don't know, it was very nerve wracking to say that I have this focus on women of color when I know that some of the work that I could do is really could be expanded to all women. And I had to really get to a point where I recognize that it's okay for women of color to ask for spaces for ourselves. And it's okay for us to take up space. And it's okay for us to want, you know, sisterhood and solidarity in, you know, women of color only groups. And it seems like maybe a small thing, but I grew up in very um, integrated neighborhoods and went to predominantly white schools. And so whenever women of color or people of color would want to gather, there would always be like a lot of nervousness. Like, why do y'all need this space to yourself? Or like, what are y'all saying like in there? You Mm -hmm. know, but I think that like for me coming to the point where I realized that it was okay to ask for that space and it was okay to create that space was huge for me. And I was able to kind of step unapologetically into my work in a way that I hadn't been able to do before. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as a woman who is not of color, how can I support your movement and understand it? And yeah, I think support's the best word because it is, you say, making space for women of color. So how do women of non-color support you? Well, I always joke and I say, well, peach is a color too. So, (laughs) you know, I kind of like joke about that. And one of my best friends is really interesting. She's a white woman and um, I love her. And oftentimes, you know, we've we've collaborated before with our work in the past. Um, And then there will be sometimes when I'm like, oh, you know, I'm creating this like woman of color space. And she's kind of like, oh, I want to support you. But I don't know if like I should be involved in this like directly or how this works necessarily. Um, And one of the things that I used to say on my blog, and I would say this when um, other folks have come and they would just be like, well, does that mean that this space is only or this movement or this work is only for women of color? And I was like, you know what? It's not only for women of color, but it was created with women of color in mind, Mm -hmm. very unapologetically. So that means that if you can appreciate kind of like my experiences and perspective and not be off put by the fact that like I am going to own, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that I am a woman, the fact that I am black and I'm never going to shy away from that. And if that's fine with you and it doesn't make you uncomfortable, then girl, you are welcome. Like come hang out. Let's do this. (laughs) You know, that's awesome. So what (laughs) is the main message on the platform? What topics do you cover? Give us a little insight into your world. Sure. So when I first started CGC, um, I really, my tagline was in the tagline for the book, you know, helping women of color kick ass and work, love and life. So it really was just kind of talking about what does it look like to show up powerfully in those spaces, but also like, uh, what does it really, really look like to kind of navigate, like, you know, understanding those spaces. And when I first started the blog, I was 
like maybe a year out of college, um, maybe two years out of college. So, you know, I'm out in the world and everybody knows that first year after college sucks. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, you're out here just like, it's just so trying. awkward. <laughs> it is. And you're like adulting or like trying to adult and like, it's not working the way you thought. And you're just like tired. You have to go to work every day. And it's just like, what the hell is this life? Like where's spring break? Where is summer vacation? Um, and so I was really writing during a time where like, that was a huge part of my life is really exploring the transitions and the ways that my relationships and my career was evolving. Um, and I did that for a couple of years and I really loved it. And I grew, um, you know, quite a successful following and I was, you know, won some awards for my blog and, um, I was really proud of the work, but there came a point where I really felt like I, um, my message was shifting some mm-hmm. and I had started to focus on what it means to, build a career around your passion. So become a passionpreneur because it was something that I did with Color Girl Confidential. It started as a blog and eventually it turned into speaking and a book and all of these other things. And I was able to work full time um, writing and facilitating and doing work that I really loved. And more and more people are kind of asking me, well, how do you do this? Like, how do you start a blog or how do you do this? How do you do that? And I was realizing that my interest was kind of going in that direction of really thinking about, well, what does it look like to kind of start a passion-based business? Um, So in February of 2015, I ended my blog and it was really hard. It was a really hard transition and I kind of like wavered for a while and I spent honestly like man, maybe three months going in the wrong direction and then like six months like completely burnt out um, because I had pushed myself so hard um, trying to kind of like do something huge after I ended my blog. I was like, oh, well, if I end this, like I need to just like do something so gigantic. Like everybody's going to be like, wow, Elsie, like you're so awesome. So I like pushed myself really, really hard to do something. And it was something totally in the wrong direction and it was exhausting. So I burnt out, took six months away and I was just like, you know, I can't do this. Um, And then in late or in early this year, Mm -hmm. um, I decided that I was ready to kind of like come back into the world, um, the online spaces that I had been in before. And my community hadn't heard from me in six months. And I literally sent them an email and I was like, you haven't heard from me in six months and here's why. And I was a little bit concerned with what I was going to say and what they were going to say. Um, but I decided to just be honest. I was like, you know, you guys, I was in a really dark place. Like, you know, I suffered from depression and I burnt myself out. And I was like, honestly, like for six months, I was kind of like how I, I spent the whole time like healing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I have been trying to heal myself and, you know, I have been trying to be kinder to myself. And I was just very vulnerable about what had really been going on with me. Um, and that whole process that had been very humbling of having to like almost start over and feeling so broken and feeling like I had put myself in this glass box and I was playing a role. Um, you know, it's almost like being a victim of your own success. And, uh, you know, the, the, the emails that I got in response and the responses were so overwhelmingly positive and supportive and loving. And it just reminded me of why I started this community in the first place to be like a real space where, you know, we can talk about the stuff that really matters. 
And so that was very affirming for me. Um, and then shortly after that, I decided that I really wanted to start my podcast, which is Black Married and Hustling, mm-hmm. um, to be kind of an insider look at this process of building a business because I knew that part of the reason why I had gone to that place and I had gotten so burnt out was because I was trying to make myself look so good on the outside world and mm-hmm. not trying to show like, what a hot mess it really is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you launch and it doesn't go well or like you start something and nobody's paying attention. And like <laughs> all of those very real things about starting a passion-based business, you know, I was trying to like keep up with the Joneses and make it look like, oh, Elsie was like an award-winning blogger. I didn't want to see, I didn't want people to see me struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started Black Married Hustling, it was almost a testament to saying, I'm done with that. Like, I want to show you like what really goes on and I want to share this journey with you. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's so many good nuggets. I've never heard of passionpreneur before, but I feel like that's probably a term that's being thrown out there, but I love it. And it's new to the audience listening in. So I know people are going to just grab onto that. And it sounds like, And I think we all get into this kind of trap where we create this online persona or this online kind of our our online world. And we sometimes forget that we started it for ourselves uh, and we end up trying to please others. Did you ever feel like that's where you kind of were at was you were constantly doing things to please your audience versus um, things that light up your heart? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And honestly, I ended Color Girl Confidential months after I should because I felt like I couldn't walk away. I felt like I owed people um, who I felt like, you know, came to the blog and read the things. And I would get such great responses from my community. And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, this article really meant something to me today. And they would just, you know, share with me how much my work was meaningful to them. And, um you know, I felt like I couldn't walk away from it. I felt like I couldn't do something different because I'd be letting them down and, you know, I'd be abandoning them. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, for all of us that feel that way, that like we just have this sole responsibility and we have to do this and we have to do that, you know, I had to check myself and be like, okay, ego, so you're the only person they can like get some good advice from now. Elsie <laughs> is going to change their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you really have to check yourself and recognize like why are you now taking taking so much responsibility for your audience. Like you're the only one who can make them happy. And only if you Mm. continue to do it in this one particular way. And it's so easy to like get in that space and feel like you're doing it for them. Um, But really even that reaction is based out of fear. So is CGC still in existence or it is shut down and everything is in the, the podcast brand? Um, CGC is still in existence. If you go to color girl confidential, dot com right now you'll be able to access some of the old blogs and everything it's just I don't update it Um, and at some point I probably will just you know make it just a book website Mm -hmm. so when you go to color girl confidential it just talks about the cgc book because that really is the best way to just get all of my work in one place um and because you know again I feel like sometimes I'm so frantic with all of my you know transitions or just wanting to do things you know, in a certain way that I was still really hesitant to like shut it down. That just goes to show kind of like where those fears can really come from. It's like, what if this is the best thing that I'll ever do? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's scary. It was really scary for me to think that. And I didn't want to admit that to myself, but I feel like that was a huge reason 
why, you know, I didn't want to leave CGC to do anything. Um, or I put so much pressure on myself to do something huge because I was like, well, this thing doesn't make me happy anymore, but I put so much time and effort into it. Like I can't leave it. And what if it's the best thing that I'm going to do? Then like, I'm just going to be a loser, you know? So those fears were pretty real as well. Yeah. So now in your current world, what does your work-life harmony look like? That's a really good question. And when you ask me that or ask me to kind of think about that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was like, work-life harmony. Ha, 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 ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's some people's reaction. It's like, oh, crap, I got to answer this. Right. I was like, oh, maybe she'll skip this one. Um, <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I love my work. Um, and I love the work that I'm doing. I love doing the, the podcast. The podcast is chronicling, um, me opening a, a co-working space for women of color called Zora's house in Columbus where I live. Um, so it's all about kind of the ups and downs of opening this physical space while also, you know, stepping back into side hustle life, which I haven't done in a few years and navigating being married and what that looks like. <laughs> Um, so the podcast really kind of follows that journey. Um, and I love, I love that work, you know, it it makes me excited. It kind of like really turns me on. Um, and so, and I'm also very ambitious and like, so I have like these very ambitious goals. Like I never, you know, I just, everything I do, I'm like, okay, well this needs to be done and this needs to be done. Um, so if it were up to me, I would just work all the time. Like I even have friends who I know who like just work more than I do. And honestly, if I wasn't married, I would probably work as much as they do. (laughs) And the only reason that I don't is because uh, my husband (laughs) is like, hey, remember me, that guy you married? Yeah. (laughs) How about we hang out for a couple hours a day? Um, because the times when like in my husband, especially, you know, there was a time when he was in grad school. So sometimes he would have to work late or he'd have a late class. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like he knew that if he wasn't home, I was working. So I'm like, oh, you're working till late? Guess I'm working till late. You know, it's kind of like he comes home at six o'clock and he's like, let's eat dinner. Let's hang out. Let's do this. And I'm just like, but, 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 but (laughs) reaching for my laptop. Um, And that has really helped me. You know, I I wish that I could say that I was able to create those boundaries on my own. Um, But thankfully, I've not had to test myself because my husband will ask me to put my laptop away and remind me that my wifely duties include hanging out with him at least a couple times a week. Yeah. I love when you say like reaching for the laptop and all I wanted to, all I wanted to say was like the struggle is real because um, I absolutely love those that are close to me. Like I love spending time with my family and my boyfriend and that uh, we're recording this uh, in June although it'll air in August and I just got a new puppy like 2 weeks ago and she's she is teaching me like I I'm sorry, you want to reach for the your laptop? I'm going to chew on it. Like, <laughs> play with me. So, oh, my gosh. Um, I love that life keeps us, I guess, in check and allows us just to have that, like, no, I need to spend time with people that matter because the laptop is not going to, is not going to, you know, care and love me. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes it's hard to forget that, you know. Sometimes it really is. It's hard to remember that, um, but it is very true. All right. So I hear it so much in how you talk about so many things already, but I do want to ask this because it's an, it's another one of my favorite questions. It's what are you most passionate about? 
Um, so this was another question and kind of thinking about this, it was really hard for me to answer. Um, and I felt like, okay, I, I either need to give a short answer and just be like, these things, the end, let's move on. Or I could talk for like an hour because <laughs> there are so many things that I really love. Um, some of the things that I kind of like listed in my head were like, you know, family, my faith. I love to read. I'm a complete book nerd and I yeah. carry books with me everywhere I go. Um, nature, connecting and empowering women. Um, I just, I love theater um, and like kind of performance art. So there are just like a lot of things that I'm really, really passionate about. Mm. Um, and it is hard for me to choose just one. And I, you know, have, have kind of thought about that. And I feel like it's a really good thing because you know, it allows me to realize that like, I am more than just one thing. I'm more than just one interest. And I remember I was going through a period of time in my business where, you know, I was talking to my husband and I was like, Oh, you know, I feel like my brand only represents like one part of me. Like, you know, the part that like, yeah, I love to empower women, but I also love this and I love this and I love this. <laughs> and, you know, he kind of had to be like, look, like your brand, a business is never going to be as complex as a person. Yeah. So your brand is never going to be able to encapsulate everything that makes you who you are. And, you know, as I'm saying that now, it makes so much sense, but it was really mind blowing for me to realize that I did not have to fit every single piece of who I am um, into everything that I do. Um, and that was really powerful because I have so many passions and so many interests. Um, and my brand is just kind of expression of, of a couple of those. Um, and even that doesn't fully represent, you know, the complexities of me as a person. Mm. I love hearing that. So what's firing in my brain as I listen to you is like I have a massively long bio that I like rhyme off on Periscope every morning when I'm doing my introduction. And I've built this personal brand of being an alpha female and, you know, written this definition and I do all these things. But it's so funny how we try to incorporate as much as us as possible into our personal brand so that we can be more authentic and be more honest and connect with more people. But then there's times where it's like, do they really need to know that I was a CFL cheerleader in my early twenties and it shook pom poms? Like, <laughs> no, you don't need to know that. Like some things I've like slowly started taking out of the bio. Cause it's like, how is that serving others? And mm -hmm. as I dive into the side hustle entrepreneurial world, it's constantly like you hear it over and over again, like hitting you upside the head is what about you can solve a problem in the world? And so what I do to balance work and life and find harmony is uh, a problem that's in the world. And that is the solution that I'm helping others to find. But like, do you need to know I shook pom-poms? Like, yeah, maybe you might think that's cute, but like, that's not going to help you find balance between your job and your side hustles <laughs> and puppies and life. And so, yeah. So I like how you're talking about how like this is all of me, but I need to only put things into my business that are going to truly resonate with others. Yeah. And I don't think it's about, you know, being embarrassed about something or, or even mm. if you decided like maybe being a cheerleader was a big part of your life during that time and you learned some lessons and you met some friends and you're not necessarily ashamed of being a cheerleader. No. You know, I think that like if you're, if there's a part of you that isn't represented in your brand, you really have to ask yourself, well, you know, do I want this to be a part of my brand? Because like you're saying, Robin, like, I feel like it's very relevant to the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or am I just afraid, you know, that like, oh, but like, they need to know that like, this is a part of me, or I want to show that like, 
this was something that was important to me, yeah. you know, and I think you can have things for yourself and they're going to show up in your personal life and in the stories you joke about with your friends, you know, just because a part of your life or a part of your identity isn't a huge part of your business doesn't mean that you're embarrassed about it. It doesn't minimize what yeah. it actually means to you. Yeah. Um, and I had to get to a point where I realized that. That's awesome. Uh, so I want to go back because fellow bookworm here, what genres do you love reading? And do you, do you, were you a bookworm as a kid? Like, was there a book that like pulled you in as a child to reading? Oh my gosh. So um, this is where I could really talk for an hour, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I really could though, you guys, seriously. Um, but my mom always tells this story about when all of my siblings and I, we all read and my parents, we all love to read. Um, my mom always tells the story of like when we were kids and the first time that they let us try to pack, we were going on like a weekend trip. Mm. And the first time that they let us like try to pack for um, ourselves they gave us each our little suitcase and they were like, okay, go pack your clothes. They told us what we needed. And each one of us came back with a suitcase full of books, no oh clothes, gosh, that's no awesome. toys, just like all books. And my mom literally was looking at us and was like, I'm sorry, what part of like pack clothes do you not understand? But you know, like we're little kids and she thought it was hilarious, but I feel like that's still such an accurate representation. Like I will always have a book on me. If I'm standing in line in the grocery store, I'll be reading. Cause I'm just like, you know, some people like play with their phones or do other things. Like if I'm in a waiting room, I'm going to be reading. Like I always, always have a book on me. Um, and I like so many different genres. So I love, um, different types of fiction. I love, um, crime fiction, detective fiction, my sister. And this is what's cool because all my siblings like really different things. Yeah. Uh, so during the time, for instance, when I was in college and I was super broke and I would just read whatever was on my sister's Kindle. Mm. So because I couldn't afford any books of my own. So I was just like, all right, Larissa, I'm going to read all your books. And she likes a bunch of weird crap because she's weird. And <laughs> I love that about her. Like, you know, she's the one Sisterly who got me. love right there. <laughs> exactly. She got me into urban fantasy, like, you know, and all these other types of like, you know, she really loves fantasy and sci-fi. Urban fantasy? I don't yeah. even know that genre. It's not like romance. It's like sci-fi. No, it's it's like um. So if you imagine kind of um, Harry Potter yeah. is almost like a young adult version. It's like oh, there's okay. magic. There's all these other things, but it takes place like in a real city. Oh. So it's like a ver like one of the series that she reads. It like takes place in quote unquote Atlanta, mm -hmm. but it's in Atlanta where like magic exists. That's so awesome. that's where it's like kind of the urban. Is that like it's actually so? I read all these crazy books. Yeah. And then, of course, like, I love self-development, personal development, and, like, business books. Like, yeah. I have a whole library of them, um, and I read them, like, nonstop. That's awesome. What's the latest that you've read? Um, one book that I, that's kind of one of my favorites. So I was reading Blue Ocean Strategy, which is an older book. I think it came out, like, almost 10 years ago, and it was huge when it came out. And if you've never read it, it's a marketing book all about how to really – um, figure out the norms in your industry and figure out how to kind of set yourself apart. And they use Cirque du Soleil as like a, an example of somebody who created a blue ocean because they're a circus, but they're so different from the traditional circus in every possible way. Um, and it just talks about how to do that. Um, and then another book that your audience might really enjoy that I loved um, is called Worth Every Penny. And it's about creating boutique brands and being able to charge higher prices um, and what it means to be able to like ask for 
um, you know, the, the level of fees that you would really love to ask for and kind of what type of branding and customer experience needs to support that. Um, and I loved, loved, loved both of those books. Amazing. I feel like we could talk about this forever. I, um, <laughs> the, I realized the other day that I was like being cultivated in an alpha female mindset as a kid. I was antiquing with the boyfriend. Yes, I antique. Oh my and God. we walked into one store and there was a row of old books and there was a full Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew series. Yes. I'm, I'm now aging myself, but I, I had a, I had, I swear I had like the full collection of Nancy Drew, like female detective solving problems. And like my brother read the Hardy Boy series. And I laugh now that we had like stereotypical books for males and females as kids um but but she was she was very alpha female so I love that I and if you you really want to age yourself you can start talking about the boxcar children and <laughs> babysitters club some of my other favorites oh dear okay <laughs> let's let's get into how you take care of yourself what are some daily health habits that you use to keep your immune system boosted I think this, so these were the questions that got a little bit hard when you were kind of like, you know, think of these things because mm -hmm. the truth is I don't always do the best job taking care of myself. Um, and it's something that I'm really working on. Um, one thing that I do for boosting my immune system are the two kind of like basic things. Even when my health routine is a hot mess, otherwise I drink a ton of water. I don't drink anything but water, actually. And it's not necessarily because I don't like other things. I don't like soda. I just don't like the taste of it, thankfully, because I'd probably drink it all the time if I did. Um, so I don't like soda. I don't like coffee. Um, you know, I don't really like tea. <laughs> so pretty much, like, the only thing that I do like is juice occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, but when my family moved out to Phoenix when I was in high school, you know, uh, it was so hot. The day that we got there was 115 degrees outside, Fahrenheit, not Celsius, um, for my Canadians listening. <laughs> it was 115 degrees. It was so freaking hot um, that living in Phoenix, I got used to like nothing would quench your thirst other than water. Mm. Like you can't drink anything but water because nothing makes you like, you know, you'll be thirsty and you could drink soda and like it doesn't do anything when it's 150. <laughs> Like you have to drink water. So I got in the habit of just drinking a ton of water at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never dropped it. So I pretty much drink nothing but water and I sleep eight hours a day. Like I need sleep. I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't care how hard I work. You know, I will work for 12 hours in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I'll sleep for eight because I, I have to sleep. And so I make sure I get eight hours of sleep. Um, and at first, you know, my husband, when we first got together, he tried to get me to stay up later and, hang out more. But then when he saw me on six and seven hours of sleep, he now loves for me to get eight hours of sleep because he realizes that I'm not my usual charming self <laughs> with less than eight hours. So <laughs> those are two things that I definitely um, do to kind of keep my immune system going strong. Yeah. Well, I want to recognize you for saying that you weren't too excited about these questions because one of like my requirements is that like, 
I want to feature women that are ambitious and have that drive and want to go after everything that they want in life, but they know that they need to take care of themselves and that that has to be one of the main priorities so that we can do more and be more. And I love that you know basics because I think basics are what we struggle with. Like we keep adding on. We're like, okay, we're going to do this next and this next to optimize our health. But then we reach a point where we're like, crap, you know what? I really am not drinking enough water a day because I'm trying to get all, all my meals in and do all this stuff. So um, I love that we are focusing on basics because it's an important uh, conversation to have no matter where we're at in our journeys. And I just finished listening to the Gary V podcast with Ariana Huffington, who is on her like sleep message, like preaching it across the nation. And I love that. And it was funny because on episode 20 of this show, when I was interviewing Brittany, like we talked about how Gary like gives me like uh, the heebie-jeebies because he's all about hustle and he doesn't always take care of himself. But as he's been kind of progressing throughout this year, he's slowly, slowly like recognizing how much he knows he needs to take care of himself. And even mm-hmm. on the uh, the episode, he was talking to Ariana. He's like, oh, I sleep. Like I hustle during my waking hours, but I sleep. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, thank you for saying that because right. it's just like, okay, so you hustle your working hours as much as possible, but you're still getting at least like six to seven. Okay. Thank you for putting that into the world. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you and I, we have a a mutual friend, Siobhan John, who's over at uh, secretsofasidehustler.com. And one of the big myths that she's always debunking in her events and with her blog, um, you know, is this myth, like hustlers don't sleep. This kind of quote that goes around like this proud, like hustlers don't sleep. And it's like, well, I don't know what type of hustle y'all doing, but I'm hustling during the day and I'm sleeping at night. So, and there's a conversation, especially with this side hustle world. It's like you get home from your full-time job and you need to put in a certain number of hours. You need to put in a certain number of hours so that you hit your bedtime and then go to bed. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Like I get it that we're all trying to build massive empires and be epic, but we can't. We can't without our health. All right. So what does your weekly fitness routine look like? Well, right now I mentioned to you that um, I'm back in side hustle mode. Um, Mm. I was working for myself for four years, but when I... Um, decided to launch Zora's house, the co-working space. I knew that I was going to need even a lot more cash. Mm. Um, so even on top of my expenses, and I thought that, you know, getting a nine to five job for a year or two would be probably the best way to be able to save up that investment. Um, so I started working for the YMCA and I'm working in their um, corporate sales department and I run a program for them. And, um, so I literally work at a gym. Oh, that's like, awesome. So it's like right there. <laughs> no excuses. Um, so, exactly. There are like no excuses. So when I'm at work and I go into the office twice a week, but you know, other days I try to walk and I also like work out because I have a free membership. So there's one closer to my house. And when I'm at work, like it's physically there. Um, I really love classes. I feel like classes help me like stay really motivated um, and they're really fun for me. Um, and when I have a workout buddy, then I really love lifting weights. Um, I hate cardio, which I think <laughs> is funny because I'm so different from most women um, because I love weightlifting and I hate cardio. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. The cardio piece is just so I've tried to run, tried to do all the things, and it's just so not me whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I'll do classes. 
when I have a workout buddy, then we'll do cardio and weights together. Um, when I don't have a workout buddy, then I usually like kind of stick to classes. I like cycling. I like body pump. I like all of those different classes. And I'll take a few of those a week just mm-hmm. to make sure I'm staying on. Mm-hmm. You know? oh, well, that's awesome. You're getting spin in like that's an amazing cardio workout. Yeah, I, I do love I do love spinning. That's awesome. So do you challenge yourself fitness wise? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the biggest challenge for me is is consistency. Mm. Um, I think it's consistency and it's also joy. Mm. Um, I think that oftentimes, like in the past and even sometimes now, you know, I think of working out as like punishing myself for not having the body that I want. And it's not really like a great place to come from if you're really trying to develop a habit of, you know, making this a part of your life. Mm. Um, And I always know when I'm in that mindset because, you know, it's like you have to do this because you're fat, you know, so like get out, you gained weight, like get in that gym and like do what you need to do, suck it up. And I really hate feeling that way. Like I hate feeling that way about myself. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm being honest and I don't think I've ever really talked about this because most of the podcasts I'm on are always about business. <laughs> so I don't ever have to like talk about this kind of stuff, but you know, I want to be really transparent with your audience. Um, and that's something that I've struggled with is that I, I don't, I'm not comfortable in my body. I've gained weight since college. Um, and some days I look at myself and I'm like, wow, like I've gained a lot of weight. Like I hate my body now. I don't like how clothes fit. Um, and it's made even harder by the fact that I work so hard, you know, I work at a job and I work at my side hustle. Um, and you know, the thing that I do is that I do eat relatively healthy. I do drink a ton of water. I do get sleep. Um, but I'm still just redefining my relationship with working out and I want to do it in a way that's very loving and joyful. Um, and I feel like I really struggle to do that. I love that you recognize this. Like the self-awareness is huge, being able to say that like it's punishment because we, the language people use around working out, like I have to go work out instead of like I'm going to go work out because I want to. And there's just so much negative use of language in that world that it's so highly prevalent in the media and it just like it's, it's just in our brains that it's like I have to go do this so that I look good. Not like I yep. have to go – like I want to go do this because I'm going to feel so amazing after and have the best energy to attack my side hustles for the rest of the day. Um, exactly. So it's just – it's so much mindset and it's always easier said than done because there are days where it's like I've got the puppy right now and I'm not sleeping properly and I'm like – there's no way I'm going to the gym. Like, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. And I'm using negative language with myself. So it's, it's, always, it's always a struggle. But once we recognize that, then we can do things to shift our mindset. So I love, I love how self-aware you are. Absolutely. I appreciate that. It's not, this is definitely not an easy journey. I would say that health and fitness is probably one of the things I struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is something that, you know, I really want to be able to do for myself because I want to love my body. I want to take care of my body. Um, knowing that I want to have children soon, you know, that's also something that's in the back of my mind. I'm like, I want to get into a habit and into a joyful practice of caring for my body and moving my body. Um, so that once you have kids, like there's a little bit more of that, like, Oh, like, this was a part of my life, you know, and, and you can get a little bit back to that easier than if you never had any of that practice before ever. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. So you mentioned that you are eating really healthy. Is there anything in there, like nutrition habits wise, that you do to keep yourself well nourished? Um, I think the biggest thing that I do is, well, I guess there are two main things that I do. Um, one of them is that I eat five times a day. Mm. Um, and I just, I switched over from eating kind of big breakfast, small breakfast, lunch, and then big dinner, Mm -hmm. um, to eating five times a day. And I found that like, it does really regulate my energy level a lot. Um, and it's just, been really, really great in terms of jumpstarting my metabolism. And then the other thing is that I cook. So my husband and I both cook. We love to cook. Um, we don't exactly meal prep, but we do cook for the week on Sunday. Oh, that's so awesome. we have everything we cooked. We know what's going to be, I mean, we don't meal prep in that we don't like package our meals, but like we know what we're eating like Monday through Friday. So oh, like this God. for lunch, so meal this plan. For exactly. Okay, so how do you wind down at night and reduce any stress that may have built up? Well, you know, as I as I mentioned earlier, if it were up to me, I would probably like work on my computer in my bed until I literally <laughs> fell asleep with my hands on the keyboard, um, or I would read myself to sleep. Um, but typically, when my husband gets home, like I know that that's kind of my time to be like all right, time to put this away, time to really, you know, just spend some time together. And that really does relax me. Like a lot of times we'll take our dog Huey for a walk. There are a couple of trails that are near us. So we'll go out for like an hour. We'll just walk him around and talk. Um, we also, you know, probably like in our, during our first year of marriage, we realized that we were like eating dinner in front of the television a lot. Mm -hmm. So we stopped doing that and we always have dinner at the table talking to each other. Um, and those are just kind of like little small things that really help bring me into a space where, you know, I'm with somebody who loves me and just like, I'm not thinking about work. Um, and we like to just unwind. We have certain shows that we like to watch, you know, that we look forward to. Um, so those are, those are the main things. I think it's just spending time away from work in the company of somebody I care about. And if I'm not, with Sheldon, then usually I'll take a book and I will um, read that in bed until I'm ready to fall asleep. I love that you guys don't in eat in front of the TV. I think that's something that so many people potentially struggle with because if we're in smaller spaces, you know, the TV is just close to the kitchen or there's no dining room table or kitchen table. Yep. Um, so, so important. I love that. Okay. Um, what are some pain points of being an alpha female that you have to kind of problem solve for on a daily basis? Um, I think for me, one of the things about being an alpha female and really just, you know, kind of feeling in control of, of, you know, the, the various aspects of your life. I think, um, I really struggle with asking for help. I love being in control. I love doing things on my own. Um, and as much as I love people, I realized recently that I don't like working on a team um, mm -hmm. because I just like being able to handle every aspect. It's one thing if like it's completely my vision and, you know, maybe I can like delegate to somebody and be like, do it exactly like this. But even then, I'm not even always comfortable delegating. And I think that when you are a passionpreneur in the early stages and you're so used to being every part of your business, there's this really funny commercial. I think it's like a um, it's like a credit card commercial or something. And it's like this guy sitting in his garage. He like answers the phone. He's like, hi, like such and such a company. Oh, yeah, customer service. Let me get you in touch with them. And then he puts his phone on, uh, on hold for a second. 
And then he like picks it back up. He's like, hi, like this is customer service. And then like, it's another call. And he's like, hi, this is the sales department. And it's just like, he's kind of like handling like, you know, sales, customer service and like, you know, every aspect of, of his business. And for most passionpreneurs, when you first start out, that's where you're going to be. You're going to be CEO. You're going to be, you know, the marketing team. You're going to be customer service department. Um, and you kind of get in that mindset of, really feeling like, wow, I own every single part of this business. And it's really hard for me to let anything go. Um, So that's kind of where where I really struggle is I don't like I don't like asking for help. Um, (laughs) And when I do ask for help, I think my standards are so high that I often can't afford the level of quality that I would like. Mm. So that makes me even more say, okay, well, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. I'm in the midst of hiring a podcast producer and promoter for this show. And I'm trying to set up all my systems ahead of time, like screen flow uh, recordings of exactly how I do everything. And then like a, a manual of all the steps. And I do password protection on everything. So ensuring that's set up for teams. And I'm just like, Okay, you're like you. You're almost ready. You're, you're gonna have to let go soon and hire somebody, so you don't you're have to do the, this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm still trying to alpha female that process. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Favorite question of the show is: What is your definition of happiness? Um, I think that you know, happiness is about enjoying the journey. Um, and I've, I've realized this and I can't always embody this the way that I would like, um, because I recognize that the times when I'm the most stressed, when I'm the most anxious are all times when I'm either caught up in the past or caught up in the future. Um, and I'm obsessing over one of the two. And, you know, oftentimes we think about, Oh, like, you know, it's not good to be caught up in the past. And we kind of know that, but similarly, like I'm a super ambitious person and it's not always great to be so focused on the future that everything about your life is built around this idea of your future self. You know, I think you do have to learn how to be present in the moment, you know, and kind of like really, uh, just be able to enjoy like everything that is, you know, everything that's happening as part of the journey from where you came from to where you're going, even the things that, you don't necessarily understand or you would have done a little bit differently or you wish hadn't happened the way that they did. Um, You know, as a person of faith, I often think, you know, like there are two things that are always in my mind. The first is like, if I'm feeling super, super stressed, I always think like, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And it's just this idea that like, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, like there's nothing that can come against you um, that will prosper ultimately. So even if there's something in the moment that feels like it is prospering over you, ultimately it will not. Um, And I think there's a lot of hope in that that allows you to get um, from that present circumstance to really being able to continue to move forward when you know, wow, like, I don't care how dire my current circumstance looks like, I know that ultimately no weapon formed against me shall prosper and I'm going to be okay. So let me just keep taking these steps forward. Not exactly sure when I'm going to get to that place where I'm okay, but I know Mm -hmm. that this is not my destiny, you know? So I really love that scripture and it, it empowers me 
to just kind of like keep moving. Mm -hmm. And then my friend, uh, Lindsay, like she always tells me, she's like, everything you need will come. Mm -hmm. And I love that as well because it reminds me in those moments of like, man, like I feel so clueless or I feel like I'm just so unprepared. And it's like, you either have everything you need right now or everything you need is on its way. So all of those things just allow me to be in the moment and recognize that every single step that you take is beautiful. You know, even if it's hard, it's still beautiful. Um, and I just think that's what happiness is. I love that. I, uh, as a woman of faith as well, it's very hard sometimes to be such a go-getter and A-type personality, obsessive compulsive and like control freak who's like trying to create my life and lifestyle design and destiny and also fully embrace the concept that my life has already been mapped out by my God. Um, and whether you believe in the word God or even the universe and the plan that the universe has for you or God, it's so hard to marry those two concepts of like taking such great care of ourselves and being ambitious and going for it, but also knowing that we can give it over to someone who already has a greater plan for us. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I always think about like, you know, what? like I'm still there may be like I see myself in terms of like my faith is like, yeah, there's probably like a destination or there are like, you know, a couple different destinations, but there are a ton of different ways that we can get there. Um, and that part is up to us, you know, like how we get there and like, you know, how we're able to just take that walk. And, you know, I often just think about the fact that if all we ever cared about was the destination, you know, 90% of life is the journey. So it's like, <laughs> damn, your life is going to suck. You know, like yeah. you have to spend time finding joy, finding happiness in the process that it takes for you to get where you're going. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I truly enjoyed chatting with you today. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me and for allowing me to explore and talk about parts of my life that I don't usually share on these things. So <laughs> I appreciate that. It's awesome. On August 25th, 2012, I was supposed to be married. One month before the big day, I called off my wedding, left a toxic relationship, and found a life that I love during my healing and happiness journey. And then I wrote a book. The book is called Love Lost, Life Found. The book is for anyone who has A, canceled their wedding, B, gone through or is going through a divorce, or C, experienced a breakup from a toxic relationship. The book will share with you eight practical steps to heal a broken heart. You'll discover how to start your happiness journey and take it one day at a time. You'll explore why therapy can be a great healing tool. You'll start thinking about how quotes can create aha moments in your life. You'll see how self-help and self-development books can guide you. You'll learn how to create seasonal bucket lists to help you live your life. You'll learn how to truly trust your gut. And once you're ready to start dating again, you'll explore what are your truths and how to speak them into the world. Check out lovelostlifefound.com. That's lovelostlifefound.com where you can purchase the book on Kobo, Kindle, or paperback on amazon.com. I look forward to your feedback about the book. I would love it if you would get a copy or share it with someone who is in need of healing a broken heart. For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. 
There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice and leave me a rating and review. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com. That's Robin with a Y, B-A-L-D-W-I-N. And join us next week for another inspiring chat. I hope you have a spectacular day.